Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the On The Dot podcast. I am Jennifer, your host, and I'm very happy to have you back here. The topic of today's episode was sparked by something that was recently broadcasted in the media, and unless you live under a rock, you probably wouldn't know about it. But anyway, it is the Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp case and everything that that kind of entails. I actually thought it was really interesting because typically you wouldn't necessarily get to see and have that much insight into a case from start to finish like we did with the Johnny Heard, the Johnny Heard, the Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard case. With everything that went down and with everything that was broadcasted in this episode, we're going to be speaking about narcissism and narcissists. Funnily enough, this topic hits home because who better to discuss this topic than someone who has first-hand experience with having a relationship with a narcissist. I have had a handful, although a small handful, of relationships in my time. And following this case was very interesting to me because I felt like I could really draw the connections and the parallel between what was going on and also my personal experience, which was really interesting. I'm going to start off with my opinions and my viewpoint on the whole case itself and also the outcome of it. What I gathered from the very limited research, quote unquote, we all know I don't fucking do my research here. (laughs) I think that when Amber Heard is on stand and when she's kind of sharing her story and sharing her side of everything, I felt like it was acting. I felt like she was genuinely putting on an act and it was as if she was auditioning for some show that she needed to embody this character. That's what I felt like when she was on stand, especially in the way that she was kind of crying and describing the situation. To me, it felt really over-exaggerated. And I personally don't think that someone who has kind of experienced, and maybe I should put a trigger warning here about like sexual assault, physical assault, just, I guess, assault in general. I don't think that someone who has lived through the trauma or the suffering could speak about it in the way that she did. I guess also what it comes down to was a lack of evidence. Her evidence or what she presented as evidence and her team simply was not enough to prove her point and to back up all of her accusations that she made towards Johnny Depp. When it comes down to something like abuse, sexual, physical, emotional, the people that you typically call upon to, I guess, support your case, like she called upon her sister, their story should align with yours. And I felt like with her evidence, there were just a lot of holes and gaps that couldn't really be explained. And there was so much deflection from her, especially the back and forth between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's lawyer. Like, it was just like, if she couldn't answer it, she'd just say like, I just can't remember, or I don't don't recall, I don't know. It almost felt like it was a bit of a cop-out. Like, bitch, you do know. You just don't want to fucking say it. So to me, it was just frustrating. Like, it was really frustrating seeing that back and forth between the lawyer. Like, the lawyer was like, you fucking know. You know what you did. And she's just like, I don't recall. Or like, she, you know, she wasn't direct with 
what she was saying. But again, like who knows where maybe when you're under that amount of pressure, you do have to be very careful with what you say and perhaps stories and your words can be twisted. So I don't know if that's just a tactic that she had done to make sure that her words weren't going to be twisted or to portray a certain story that she wanted to. But I mean, I'm pretty happy with the outcome. I don't think that the outcome led to necessarily a winner or a loser, but even in her reaction and and her response to the unanimous decision being like, you know, it's a setback for women who have gone through abuse and now women are made to feel like they can't speak up. No, bitch, it comes down to the fucking evidence. Like if you genuinely went through all that trauma and all that abuse, should you not have multiple people backing you up? Why is the story or why is everything that presented acting against you? Is it not the fucking truth? The truth will dead set it always come out. What's funny to me is when she sued Johnny Depp the first time around and she won, she probably thought that, yeah, I'm going to take this motherfucker for a ride. And she benefited off him financially, I'm sure. But as we all know, with karma, you cannot lie about shit like this and it not come out and bite you in the ass. You really just don't get away with shit like that. So even that comment of this being a setback for women and making them feel like they can't speak up about their experiences with violence and abuse and everything like that, to me is also a cop-out. You're just upset at the fact that the truth is now out. People can see you for what you really are and for who you are and you're taking an angle of victimizing and saying that it's a setback but you haven't even lived through any of those experiences yourself you know I mean I could be completely wrong but that's just how I'm reading the situation and I'm reading the outcome and that's just my opinion There may be a lot of other things that have gone on that they have both experienced that we don't know about. And that's what's always been really interesting to me about Hollywood. I feel like Hollywood is, and celebrities, is honestly a completely different type of world. It's its own world. Like the whole affairs with Elon Musk and James Franco, it just feels like it's the norm for them to be in relationships and situations like that where there are like affairs and cheating and that's just a casual thing to do like I could literally not think of anything worse than being a celebrity and having a relationship with another celebrity I just feel like I'd just be so insecure and too insecure all the time but I almost feel like that's just normal for people like in Hollywood to kind of engage in things like that anyway That was a little bit of a steer. I just don't think what Amber Heard did was right if her accusations were actually not true, which they were found not to be. It really just preys off that whole Me Too movement. If anything, she's fucked on the Me Too movement by lying about all these accusations. So my too long didn't listen summary of my opinion is that I think her accusations were false against Johnny Depp and I'm happy with the outcome. I'm happy that people see the situation for what it is because the truth will always fucking come out. And like Justin Timberlake said, what goes around comes around. In saying that, I think Amber Heard holds certain qualities that someone with narcissistic personality disorder has. What is a narcissist? What is narcissism? I feel like this term narcissist has been thrown around a lot over social media as much as a fucking pick me girl who fucks all her guy friends because I mean, I'm such a tomboy, you know, like she's been fucking passed around. This fucking term has been passed the fuck around. Now you could go on Google and search up what 
a narcissist is. And to also preface, I'm not a fucking psychologist. I mean, for all I know, I could be completely wrong. (laughs) I can only just base it on my experience and my experience only. And that is why we don't do our fucking research here. We just talk shit and we say really rogue shit. That might not be true, but take it for what it is. I don't give a fuck. Anyway, what is a narcissist? Well, someone who is a narcissist has to have, I guess, narcissistic personality disorder. And it's in the name. It's a fucking full-blown personality disorder. Okay. Someone with NPD, let's just abbreviate it, are literally incapable of feeling the same way a quote-unquote normal or a generic person would. They aren't able to process their emotions and their feelings like a lot of people can. So when you're dealing with someone with NPD, it's on a whole nother fucking level and you end up just feeling like you're constantly chasing your tail and you can never get it right. And I guess what I'm kind of specifically talking about based on my experience, is being in a relationship with someone, like a romantic relationship. But there can be parents, mothers, fathers who are narcissists who go on to raise kids and they also have a very tumultuous relationship between themselves and their child. And as a child, you're probably suffering the effects of having a parent with narcissistic personality disorder. So it's not only in romantic relationships that these relationships can be very toxic. It is also in parent, sibling, friendship type of relationships as well. What does it mean when I say someone with NPD doesn't process their emotions in the same way that we do, can't feel the same way that we do? It really translates a lot into feelings of empathy and feelings of satisfaction, self-satisfaction, satisfaction and contentment about everything in every aspect of their life. And what the fuck do I mean by that? So let's think about ourselves, right? Most of you guys probably won't have NPD. So let's just take ourselves as an example. When I have upset someone and I have caused someone hurt or harm. Basically, when I've upset someone, I am also going to feel upset myself because I've upset someone, because my actions or the things that I've said has made someone upset. And there's empathetic emotions around that, right? Like I feel guilty and I feel sad and I can empathize with that other person why they also feel sad. And let's take another situation where someone else is feeling sad, maybe despite my own actions. You know, they're going through something difficult, whatever that may be. I can basically put myself in their shoes and feel empathetic towards them. Me personally, I think I can, I feel like I do that on like another level. I feel very deeply for other people as well. Um, so maybe I'm overly empathetic which isn't necessarily a bad or good thing. It's just maybe a quality that I have. So I feel really sad about that. And I can see what they're, where they're coming from. And let's see what we can do to make you feel better. You know, typically a healthy relationship between you and someone else is you trying to make the other person feel better about a shitty situation. Whereas someone with narcissistic personality disorder, someone who's a narcissist, cannot feel those emotions. They literally cannot feel feelings of empathy. And if they present themselves to feel empathetic, it is usually always a facade. Or if they do have bursts of empathy, then it's only that. They're really short moments. And after that, they're back to fucking square one, or they're just back to who they actually are, which is a non-empathetic person. Why aren't they able to feel these type of emotions? 
because a narcissist is all for themselves. They are extremely selfish. And that's not even like, I'm not even saying that as in like, you're fucking so selfish. It's, they genuinely cannot really think about other people. I want to reiterate the fact that it is a personality disorder that they, yeah, may be aware of it, but some people are probably not aware of their tendencies and their fucking disorder that they have. So selfish in the sense that everything is about themselves and everything is for their own benefit. It doesn't matter what other people feel or it doesn't matter about the repercussions of their actions and if that upsets people. It simply matters about how they feel. Do they feel like they're enough? Do they feel like they are in control. What can you do for me? And if I'm doing something for you, what can I get out of that? Never from a place of love because they also cannot feel the love that we feel. There's generally always going to be a motive behind why they do certain things, especially the things that come across as very generous or nice. There's always a motive that is attached to that. And we will discuss that more throughout this episode. Narcissism typically stems from childhood and the nurturing environment of that particular person. Maybe they were neglected and did not have the care and attention that they needed as a child. So in turn, it translates into adult life where they're constantly looking for that validation, looking for that attention, and are basically willing to do anything and hurt anyone to get that attention and that validation. And it translates into their actions. So sometimes I feel like you could probably argue that it's not someone's fault that they have narcissistic personality disorder because I guess we can't really control our environment when we were a child and in our childhood. But that's also not an excuse to be a narcissist and just treat everybody like shit and feel like you're fucking better than everybody or people owe you something all the time. Like, that's just no excuse, right? But I think it's quite difficult for someone to recognize that they do have NPD and then go and seek help and therapy for that. The crux of a relationship between a narcissist and a uh, general person, let's just talk general population, right? Someone who doesn't have NPD is this need for supply. What the fuck is supply? Supply can come in so many different forms. Basically, a narcissist is constantly looking for supply from another person. And like I said, supply can be anything that you can give a narcissist that will make them feel validated, admired, and feel like they have the attention that they need. It's hard to, I guess, give examples because there's not just specific things that you can do, but I guess there's compliments or gifts or anything that makes them always feel valid and have that validation. You know, loyalty, for example. Like if you were to give them anything less than what they expect as a form of supply, they can go and find that somewhere else. They will sack you real quick and find their supply somewhere else with someone else. Narcissists don't really see relationships, either romantic or even friendships, in the same way that we do as well. Like their viewpoint on the world is very different to how we would necessarily see it. Relationships aren't about building a connection, building a future together, trying to learn more about each other. It comes down to what the fuck can you give me? How much can I take and take in terms of supply? How much can I take from you before I move on to the next? Because they will get bored and you can't give and give and give 
in a relationship all the time. And that's why these types of relationships don't really work out. And it's not healthy, like I said. I think it is also important to note and to say that not everyone with these type of tendencies has NPD. I definitely think there are some people that possess certain traits that are a little bit narcissistic, but that doesn't mean you fucking have full-blown NPD. I'm pretty sure you have to be fucking diagnosed for that, right? But I mean, if there are a lot of these characteristics in a person, they're more likely to probably have a personality disorder rather than possessing one or two. Like if someone can generally feel empathetic and their actions in a relationship are pretty, not stock standard, but healthy, you know, then yeah, maybe they don't have a personality disorder like this or they're not a narcissist. But I think you probably have to have a good chunk of these characteristics to be like, yeah, you're a fucking full-blown fucking psycho. Anyway, that's just a little bit of context on what a narcissist kind of is like and maybe what certain personality traits that they possess. Let's kind of now dive more into the relationship timeline of someone who has NPD. So typically at the beginning of a relationship with a narcissist, it is probably the best it will ever fucking be. And this is all strategic, okay? A narcissist, if they know what they're fucking doing, the reason why it is so good and it is perfect at the beginning is because it's all tactical. They typically will use a manipulation tactic called love bombing. And I feel like the word and the term love bombing has also been very commonly talk about, talked about now. You'll find that at the beginning of a relationship with a narc, it is extremely intense. And it is so intense that it would never compare to anything that you've ever felt like before. What do you mean by intense? I'm speaking about intense in the amount of attention that they give to you, in how much they message you, in how much love, quote unquote, in bold italics that they share with you or give you or portray to you. And that is the key here. It's Everything is just about portraying and it's a facade, right? So it's not even a bad type of intense. It's you're probably going to feel like, holy shit, I have never felt this type of love from anybody before. And they're going to fucking tell you that. They're probably going to say, I have never met anybody like you before. You make me feel in a way that no one else ever has really trying to gas you up. And it's all a part of their plan. So love bombing is basically in the term, it is pretty much bombing you and bombarding you and giving you a lot and a lot of love, very intense and not even in a bad type of feeling and not even in a bad way because who wouldn't want to be loved like that? Do you know what I mean? Like who doesn't want someone else to treat them with so much love and go over the top and go above and beyond for them? Like that's why it can get very confusing, especially if you have never felt and been treated in that way before because you're obviously unaware of their motives and you're interpreting it as love and affection. And that makes you think like, fuck, they must be really into me. If they're putting this much time and effort to go above and beyond for me. And love bombing can look like so many different things as well. It can be giving you extravagant gifts and taking you to really expensive and nice dinners and saying I love you in the first fucking three weeks of meeting, constantly messaging you and having 
like super, super deep conversations about your future when you guys have known each other for three weeks. Let's just look at that situation logically, right? Saying I love you, talking about the future in the first like two weeks of dating or seeing each other. If we realistically think about it, how can you be so sure of such strong emotions and feelings when you've literally just met? These emotions and feelings take time to build. The more you get to know someone, therefore, how could you be so sure of how you feel within the first couple of weeks? And I think this is where the narc really gets you because at the beginning, you're so swept up in all this like intense feelings and love and this attention that you're getting and you don't have the space to think logically, especially if you've never come across a narcissist before. And that doesn't even cross your mind that what they are doing could be tactical or strategic. I guess that's why it can be very confusing because you're probably thinking like, wow, I've never felt this way before and this person has never felt the way that they do towards me based on what they're saying. So it must be true love or it must be that we're meant to be together. But you just have to take a step back and this is always with new relationships and evaluate it and analyze it for what it is. Like, it's just not possible that you fucking meet someone for two weeks and then you fall in love and you're saying I love you to each other and everything is just like roses and daisies like that's just not healthy I just don't even think that's like it's not realistic it's not realistic I don't think it's healthy it's just everything moves very quickly with a narcissist especially at the beginning love bombing doesn't only happen at the beginning it can usually happen when throughout the relationship in periods of doubt, let's say you guys are thinking about breaking up and they don't want their supply to go, so they might love bombing you again and be extra extravagant and super intense, but then they pull away and they kind of go back to their normal self. So love bombing is not an ongoing thing. It's not a healthy display of love. It's not necessarily maintainable. You don't just, you know, bombard someone with love in bursts in your relationship. Like, that's not fucking healthy. But once they have you reeled in, I guess at the beginning stages, let's give an estimate of three, four weeks. You're reeled in, you're hooked, and you believe that they love you because of their actions in the past three to four weeks. And you can almost think of a narcissist as kind of like wearing a mask or putting on their best clothes or their best suit, their best dress. They're going to present themselves as the person that you want, the person that you've always been waiting for, the person that connects with you the best. And, you know, you've never met anybody like them before. And it's just an act, right? At the beginning, they've got you. And now the mask begins to slip and they slowly take it off and you will slowly see them for who they actually are because you can't keep up an act for the rest of your relationship. Their veil comes off and they start to show their true colors because they can't pretend to be someone they're not forever. And you will best believe that you are not going to like what you see in your now partner. There's always going to be an imbalance in the power dynamic that you and a narcissist have, especially in a romantic relationship. And, you know, assuming that you're not a narc, you will always have the short end of the stick you will always be made to feel inferior to the other person. And when you look at it in simple terms, it makes sense that a person who is so deeply insecure and that is constantly looking for attention and validation will never be truly satisfied with just one person and what one person can give to them. So that means 
On the other end, a person without narcissistic personality disorder, they will never be able to satisfy this narc. Therefore, you're going around in a fucking circle and you're going around it again and again, trying to please someone who cannot feel satisfied or cannot get enough attention they want more and you're trying to give them more but that's not enough so they want more and then it's and that's why it's so fucking toxic because two people can never be happy there'll be moments of happiness but it's not a constant state of satisfaction and contentment in a relationship which is 100% why it's so fucking tumultuous and it's not sustainable. What comes after the mask unfolds or the mask is taken off from the person is you being able to see the tendencies and the erraticness. Is that even a word? (laughs) How erratic they are and irrational a narcissist is and that will bleed into your relationship with them. So depending on you know how long the relationship ends up lasting, the relationship will be a constant up and down and up and down. And you have those really high highs where you know everything is great, but then you have those really low lows as well, because you're pretty much always trying to get back to what you once had. And that is, I guess, the point of love bombing is because they show you what the relationship could be. But again, we have to remember that it's fake, like it's not even real, but you've had a taste of what that relationship could be. So you're constantly trying to get back to where you were. And that's why there's highs and lows and highs and lows, because yeah, you can get back there for you know let's say even a week a few days but then with a narcissist because they're not satisfied they will find something else to pick apart and again you're trying to pick up the pieces and you know right your wrongs and get you guys back to where you once were a phase that was all tactical all planned out very strategic therefore not real like it's very sad to say but it's just not real like you could maybe even argue that the whole relationship was not real was it I don't know that's fucking that's pretty that's pretty rogue I don't want to you know upset anybody but that's sometimes kind of how I see it it's not that it's not real because I'm sure emotions and feelings they're all valid It's just a phase that is not maintainable, to put it bluntly. I feel like speaking about this is a bit depressing because, like, who the fuck wants to be in a relationship with a person with this kind of disorder? And I'm I'm trying to somehow make light of this situation, but it's fucking depressing and it's, it's a shit go and it's obviously pretty triggering I think for some people especially myself like when I'm speaking about it I just get really annoyed and like angry at myself as well because I have been there so yeah it's a bit flat the vibes are a bit flat but let's move on to another I guess tactic of a narcissist, which is gaslighting. And again, these fucking terms, gaslighting, love bombing, narcissist, like I know they've been spoken about a lot, but if you don't know what gaslighting is, it is basically a tactic that a narc would use to make you believe that something is happening or has happened when it actually hasn't, which is so fucked. Like they are so good in convincing you that, something is happening or what you're doing is actually what is happening when really it isn't happening at all. Um, And what is the point of this, right? It is, again, a tactic to make you question your own reality so that you lose trust with your own self and feel like you can't trust your own judgment and that other person or the narc must be right. 
And that will then translate into so many other aspects of the relationship. Like the lack of trust that you have with yourself is what they're trying to take away from you so that you need to rely on them for the source of truth. Like that is so fucked up. Okay. So I remember, and I can't remember if I've mentioned this scenario, this situation or this whatever that I'm about to speak about before in a previous episode. But when I was in a relationship with a narcissist, I, well, I believe he was a narcissist. I was told that I would always check out other guys when we were out. And when I would try to deny it, it would always end up in a fight. I actually feel like I have mentioned this before, but this is the one that one thing that really stands out to me. And You know, I'm sure during my relationship, I was gaslit like heaps, but this one was the one that really stood out to me because it genuinely made me question my reality. Like I was literally asking myself, Jennifer, do you do this? So anyway, we would always end up in a fight about it and we would be at dinner and I'd just be having a conversation with my ex-boyfriend And out of nowhere, the mood would shift and it would change and he'd get upset and he's just like giving me one word replies. And I'd be like, you know, what's going on? Like what's, what's happened? Because I was genuinely baffled. Like I don't understand why just like flip of a switch, he's like now upset with something and I don't know what it was. Like what the fuck could I have done in the 15 minutes that we were sitting here? You know what I mean? And he would come back and be like, I, like, you keep checking out other guys. I know what I fucking saw. You always check out guys that look bigger than me or some shit like that. And like I said, it truly made me question my reality because I ended up like thinking, holy fuck, have I actually been doing this for my entire life? And I've not realized it. And it's only now that I'm in a relationship or in the relationship that I was in that someone has pointed it out to me and I've just never known that I've done it. So I ended up just accepting and thinking to myself, fuck, I probably just have always checked people out and I just have done it without realizing. And for a long time while I was with him, I would be out in public and when we would be in public and be around other people, I'd literally walk around with my head down and try not to make eye contact with anyone, um, male or female, in case it caused an argument between us. Like, how fucked up is that? I'm, I don't know. I just feel like my palms are getting fucking sweaty. I didn't realize I would be so triggered by this because it's, it's happened so long ago. My point, I feel, is that you should never be put in a position like that and no one should be made to feel like they've done something wrong and it's now only relevant or prevalent sorry because someone else has pointed it out when that's not even the reality like I've been with people since romantic relationships since and I've had to ask them if they feel like I check other people out because, I mean, not really necessarily anymore, but previously I still had this idea, even when that relationship ended, I still had this idea that, yeah, maybe I do do that without realizing, you know? And I feel like at, like lucky, I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's necessarily lucky for me that This was something that wasn't too impactful in my life, but I'm sure there are certain gaslighting situations where it can really affect someone and how they just view life in general. I don't want to say I'm lucky to only have, I guess, one situation or one thing that that I was gaslit about constantly, 
because it was ongoing and I don't think that it's like lucky of me, but I can really see, you know, another relationship, someone else in a relationship with a narcissist where they are constantly gaslit by, with everything, like every small or big thing that they would fucking go insane. Like they literally just be constantly questioning themselves. Like for me, I feel like maybe I was, I don't want to say the word lucky, but the circumstance at least that I was in, I, at the time I was kind of still strong headed and I did have a sense of self, which progressively got lower and lower the more the relationship went on. But I just can't imagine someone else, you know, not being like me, not maybe having the personality like me, very submissive and being caught up in a relationship like this and their whole reality is just fucking confusing. And it is just a tactic though. It is so that basically everything that the narcissist say says will go and that they're the source of truth and because you know like remember when this happened and you couldn't remember that it happened correctly and you don't realize that you're doing it and blah 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 and I'm right so you you go back to the narcissist and believe everything that they say therefore they have the upper hand all the control over you and it's really just a part of the plan. I've talked about codependency before, pretty sure in my toxic relationship episode, but codependency is also what the narcissist wants to establish in this relationship. They want you to feel like they are your source of happiness and that you'd be worthless without them. And if you think about it, if someone wants to instill that fear into you, Losing someone that you love or are so dependent on is so fucking terrifying, right? So it's kind of even like a scare tactic. It's like, I love you so much. I want you to depend on me for your happiness, for everything, so I can have control over you. So you'd be fucking scared to leave me. And the likelihood of you leaving me is probably lower than a narc or me leaving you, me being the narc. I'm jumping from first person to second to third. I'm just fucking jumping everywhere. I'm fucking all over the place. These tactics like love bombing, like gaslighting are all so that you can build that codependency for them and that your relationship is a codependent relationship. Whether they also rely on you as well is very unhealthy. And what does that mean for you being the person? Do I have to fucking keep reiterating that? Because I feel like I don't. Like you guys get it, right? It just means that you're more likely to stay in the relationship even though you're overall unhappy. And what does that mean for them, the narc? It means they still have a source of supply and they still feel a sense of control over you. It will be a cycle of making you feel bad about trivial things and you end up apologizing for situations where you weren't even in the wrong and you're begging them for forgiveness because you're trying to get back to where you once were, that phase of that you guys shared when they were love bombing you. And there's just no compromise. Everything is 100% on their terms and everything is for their benefit. And once a narcissist feels like they can no longer get their supply from you, for example, if the relationship ends, like let's say you break it off with them, then they will find supply elsewhere. Like I said before, typically in a form of another relationship. And that's why it's very common for narcissists to jump from relationship to relationship because they're in a constant need of supply through attention, validation, admiration. They need to get it from somewhere. And if that means committing to another relationship, you fucking best believe they're gonna commit to another relationship. I don't want to admit it, but I was addicted to that type of relationship. 
as fucked as it was, as mentally draining as it was, as anxious as I was for basically the whole of the relationship, I was so codependent on my ex that I couldn't even see myself living without him. And even just the thought of it terrified me. So no matter how anxious or fucked up I felt, I saw it as a better situation than being without him. I must have just justified that the anxiousness is okay, the abuse was okay, the manipulation was okay. All of that I was willing to accept over us being apart and us not having a relationship with each other, which is so fucked. It's so unhealthy. It's so unhealthy. (laughs) It's so unhealthy that it fucking makes me laugh. If you are dealing with a narcissist, based on kind of what I said, maybe you have a bit more clarity with what you're dealing with. Don't walk away, please run away, okay? Because it's basically impossible to maintain a healthy relationship with a narcissist simply because they are not your regular, regular people with how they process emotions, with how they handle everything. You're not dealing with a normal person. Like, I'm not saying that it is impossible, but... It is just not worth it. It is just not worth it. It is not worth your emotional detriment and it is absolutely not worth your mental health. The only way that someone with NPD can really change is if, one, they recognize that they have NPD and actively seek out professional help, which is out of my fucking area. We are not here to help okay we're here to help people but we're not here to heal people and help them work through issues extreme like this there are literally professionals that are trained to help them with this leave it to the professionals okay it's not our fucking job it's not your fucking job and unless someone is fucking paying you an hour plus over time if you're in a fucking relationship with someone with narcissistic personality disorder you best believe you don't have a fucking break you're constantly working overtime and unless they're paying you for that jesus fucking christ get out while you can okay please do yourself and the people around you a fucking favor how it unfolds after it ends is everything to do with them and absolutely nothing to do with you when you've ended a relationship with a narcissist that is literally the biggest gift that you can give yourself and if they've broken up with you you need to thank them because that is the biggest gift that they have given you as well they've just done you a massive fucking favor under the assumption that you don't get back with them i'm talking about breaking up and cutting off and that's that it will all make sense in hindsight. Everything that you've gone through will always make sense when you look back at it. Everything that I've gone through, all my experiences at the time did not fucking make sense. Why did I deserve this? Why did I go through everything that I did go through with this person? Why was I made to feel less than? Why did I experience the abuse that I did? And to me now, it makes sense because I have experience that I can share with people. I can relate to people in a way that I never was able to. I have been put in a position where I had to learn a lot more about myself and life and people in general. So yeah, although I feel like for the most part, everything in this episode sounds really shitty. I would not change it. I'm happy that I went through what I did and I'm happy that I gained the experience that I did because I wouldn't be able to sit here and make a whole fucking episode about narcissistic personality disorder and actually know kind of what I was talking about and have firsthand experience from that. And I feel like it could come across as me just completely bashing my ex as well. Like I have no care for that. I just want to share what... 
my experiences were and if people can at least be more aware that there are going to be people out there in your life that don't have your best interests and that is just life but at least you have an awareness or if you you know have some knowledge about how to manage certain situations that might save you a little bit more time and a little less hurt okay you're welcome oh my god that reminded me of that tv show Fuck, what was it called awkward sadie you're welcome in short would in short after fucking 50 minutes of talking <laughs> in short zero out of 10 would not recommend dating a narcissist and if you are in a relationship with someone that you think is a narcissist, please do all you can to get out of that situation. And those that we have discussed, those are some signs to look out for a potential narcissist that might somehow be swept into your life. At least you know how to fight them the fuck off. If you have any more questions about NPD or anything. I'm not a fucking specialist. Okay. I'm I'm not a psychologist. All I have is my experience. So I can definitely give you my mediocre advice. If you wanted to DM me more than happy to further discuss, but in the previous episode, I did mention that I wanted to share a another drunk story time, which I felt like the last one just went on for fucking ages. So I'm going to add my drunk story time to the end of this episode. And let's fucking get started because this one actually happened like two years ago. It might have actually been three, but it was kind of recent, but not long ago, like when I was 16, like the previous story. So as you guys will probably have guessed and know, and I've mentioned it many times, my cousins and I are very close and a couple of us went to the Scissor concert. I don't know how to pronounce Scissor. Is it Scissor? S-Z-A? Anyway, that was like, what, three years ago now? Maybe three. Okay. Anyway, I keep blabbling. So we went to this concert and you best fucking believe that we pre-drank. I actually don't know if I've ever gone to a concert where I'm intentionally drinking and did not pre-drink. Like I've gone to plenty of concerts sober, so not drinking at all, but I've never planned to drink and have only bought drinks at the venue. That's fucking silly. It's unheard of. You need to bring a flask in. Am I going to get in trouble for saying that? Um, In trouble by who? Who will get me in trouble? No one. So always pre-drink and try to take a flask in as well. Okay, that's my best advice to get super drunk or buzzed at a concert. So we had, we brought in a flask. I'm pretty sure my sister and I had two flasks. We either finished a flask between us two outside, which doesn't sound very reasonable now that I'm thinking of it. Maybe we just had one flask, had a little bit of of it outside and then brought the flask in so we were fucking drunk okay then we met up with my one of my other cousins wild gal she and her friends were there as well so we were all kind of together all drinking they probably had alcohol as well we were just really 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 drunk i probably remember i don't know 10 percent of the concert I remember being there and then I remember not being there and that's about it. I don't remember any songs that Scissor played. Um, It's a fucking shame. But from memory, I'm pretty sure we got free tickets. The concert ends and I remember going outside. It was at Horden Pavilion. We were outside running amok, twerking, you know, you know, the fucking usual. I don't think I was twerking (laughs) in my, I mean fucking not no shame to twerking but I don't think I was anyway so we're so fucking rowdy outside that we actually get kicked out of the pavilion so we're like we're actually made to leave and this is when the concert is over so obviously we're super super drunk and we're being pests 
like so much so that have to get us to leave the venue when the fucking event is over. You know what I mean? Like that's that's when you know you're you're a freaking menace. You know your trouble when they make you leave like that. So we end up kicking on. We end up going to a karaoke place and I want to say it was CEO. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, that's not even, that's not important. I don't know why I'm giving you details that aren't important, but we end up going to a karaoke place and the group of us, there's probably like eight of us because I feel like we all fit into an Uber XL. I think this is pre-COVID. And then some of my sister's friends end up coming as well. And we're just having a good time. Like I'm really, really drunk and everybody's singing, people are dancing, everybody's like having a jolly old good time, okay? Again, just like my previous story, I am coming in and out of consciousness and I feel like I do this all the time when I drink a lot. I am there and then I'm not and then I'm present and then I'm not. So that's the state that I'm in. Like I'm I'm in there in the night and then I'm fucking, it's black and then I'm coming back in and then I'm coming back out. So the next thing that I remember is that I need to go to the bathroom. So I need to go to the toilet. I make my way to the toilet. I leave the group. I go into the toilet and then it ends there. That is all I remember up until that point. The next memory that I have is me waking up and I had fallen asleep or yeah, I've basically fallen asleep on the toilet floor. Not my best moment, not my classiest moment. That's for fucking sure. I mean, look, I don't have classy moments, but this is definitely not one of them, but I don't have any classy moments anyway. Okay. So I get up and I I'm like, oh, where the fuck am I? And I realized that I had fucking fallen asleep in the bathroom of this karaoke joint. And I get my phone and my phone is dead. I don't have my wallet on me. I don't have my bag on me. So I have no money. I cannot contact anybody. And I'm still fucking drunk. (laughs) Like I've been drinking that so much that my, I don't know how long I was there for, maybe like one or two hour nap has not sobered me up. Okay. But the good thing about it is I didn't feel like I needed to vomit. So I go outside and it's kind of like, there's a big corridor. It's like it, it almost felt like I was in a maze. Like it was very confusing and I was like half asleep really drunk still, didn't have my phone to call anybody. I didn't have any fucking money either. And there are workers like sweeping the place up and they see me and they're like, you have to go. Like they don't speak a lot of English as well. A lot of, I feel like a lot of karaoke places, like they just understand you, but you don't understand them. You know, like they're not going to be like, oh my God, what are you doing here? Let's you know, figure it out. No, they're just like, get the fuck out. Why the fuck are you here after hours? You know, like I would be the same. So they're like, what the fuck? You can't be here. You need to leave. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'll leave. So I get outside. I start walking. I don't have a jacket. So I'm fucking cold and I don't even know what to do, but I just keep walking and I remember the wind blowing back on me and in my head I was just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do now. I've never been put in a position like this before. Like, I don't know what the go is. So I just walk and I walk and then I think in my drunken state, I must think, okay, let's just get into a cab, take, get the cabbie to take me home And then at least when I'm home, I'll have money so I can pay the the cabbie and we'll sort it out from there. So I get to this cab and heaven sent, luckily, I don't know if this actually influenced anything, but he also spoke Vietnamese and he was like a Viet man and I'm Vietnamese. So I spoke to him in Vietnamese. I don't know if that made it a little bit more interpersonal, but I was like, hi in Vietnamese I was like hi 
uncle, um, can you please take me home? I don't have any money on me, but when you take me home, I'll be able to pay you. And I don't know if he just looked at me in pity and he just felt sorry for my fucking loser ass, but he accepted my offer and he was willing to take me home without any payment yet. Although thinking about it now, like I don't really need to prepay him anyway, but I admittedly told him I had no money. Okay. So I got into this cab and then I asked him for a charger and he luckily has a charger. So I start charging my phone and I'm really tired. So I'm kind of like falling asleep and finally my phone charges. And when my phone is back on and I'm back online, I have so many missed calls, probably at least 30 missed calls from my cousins, my sister, Um, You know, when you call someone or someone calls you and you miss their call and they send a text being like, blah, 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 has tried to give you a call. No voicemail was left and all that shit. So I had at least like 30 messages of that. And I was like, fuck, I am in trouble. Like, obviously they were trying to get a hold of me and I was fucking dead. I was dead. So, and the messages were like with, from my sister, at least it was like, where are you? Where the fuck are you? You know, all this stuff and just miss calls, miss calls, miss calls. And I was at a point where I had just gone through a breakup or the breakup was still fresh. So the messages were like, if you are with XYZ, just tell me I'm not angry. Where are you? All that stuff, right? And just so many fucking miss calls and all this stuff. Anyway, so I ended up calling her and she's like you know well where where the fuck are you we were trying to find you for so long blah blah blah. and I was like bitch I was asleep in the karaoke toilet and anyway she's at my cousin's place so I ended up getting dropped off there so I tell the cabbie can you please take a detour or actually drop me off at this place instead of my house so at least I can you know, see what the fucking go is with all my cousins and my sisters. And so he did. And I got off and I was safe and I walked in and everybody was just like, where the fuck were you? And I just told them, you guys abandoned me. I was asleep in the bathroom store and no one came to to my fucking rescue. And what they had thought was that I had, because I was just fresh out of my breakup, I had gone back to the ex that I was with at the time or whatever, as in my ex at the time. And yeah, they just thought that I fucking run off and didn't message them or didn't care to contact them or call them or anything like that. When really poor little Jennifer was asleep on the bathroom floor. I said, why didn't you come look in the toilets? And apparently my sister had made the rounds and she said, I checked so many times, but it must've just been, I guess the angle that I was laying down in, or I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't know. Like I genuinely can't even come up with a reason as to why I was not found in a fucking bathroom. But granted, everybody was probably, probably a little bit drunk and whatnot, but I was not located and they thought I had run off somewhere else and didn't contact them. And I said, I would have never done that. I was just asleep. (laughs) And that is the story of the time that I was basically abandoned at a karaoke bathroom at 2am by myself without a phone and a working phone and with no money as well. So that was really lovely. But all in all, I feel like I haven't been put in situations like that. I don't think I've ever been in a situation like that because if I think about it, it's pretty dangerous. Obviously would not recommend as well for anybody to get into a situation like this, but you live and you learn. I haven't had something like that happen to me since. So I have learned, but... Yeah, that's that fucking little story time. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I think it was pretty, it was deep. It was heavy. It was a lot to take on, but 
I just hope that it was informative and that you were able to learn something from it. And I will say it wasn't the easiest piece to share because it is like a sensitive subject to some and it can trigger a lot of people, especially with like, you know, abuse and everything like that as well. But my point really is to just kind of make people informed and have some type of knowledge around, you know, narcissists and whatnot. And, you know, everybody's a fucking narcissist nowadays, but it is genuinely a personality disorder. So if anything, I just feel sorry for people who have NPD. And if you have it, just fucking seek help. I don't know. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I will see you next Sunday, 10 o'clock on the dot.